Welcome back to The Chosen Life. I'm your host, The Chosen Lawyer. I looked up in the dictionary the term having a great day. It said you're having a great day when you got one of your best friends in the world starting your day and ending your day. Today's one of those days for me because I get to start it and now I'm ending it with the one and only, the premier guest of The Chosen Life. He's back, Mr. George Tremis. George, welcome back. Thank you, my friend. Happy to be back. It is a good day. That was a good intro for sure. Well, listen, uh, you and I, we start off our days early because that's what high achievers do. And we manifested some food. And of course, we were going out for lunch. We had the same craving, had some delicious food for lunch, got to brainstorm this episode, got to have our therapy session with each other. That's what bros do for each other. Yeah, exactly. It was good. Some bonding, some business and some planning. Although this isn't rehearsed, so that's the great thing. No, this is one of the few chosen lives. There is no script. There's no real agenda. We're free-flowing it because we're going to go on a totally different tangent today. I proposed to you. We're going to mix it up a little bit, and you were game. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Double-checking. You know, be careful what you ask for. You might, in fact, get it. And we were on the same page as to what we wanted to convey today in today's very special episode. But first and foremost, before we get to our topic of the day, Mr. George Tremis, welcome back. Now, a little bit about people that they get to know George, the man, the legend, the realtor, <laughs> the speaker, future mm -hmm. author. George Tremis, is there anything you cannot do? Uh, how do you answer that question humbly and properly and in an entertaining way? Um, let's see. I don't know if I can do this. No, see, I can't. I can't tap my head and rub my stomach at the same time. I just don't know how. It doesn't work. <laughs> are you supposed to be Buddha or are you supposed to be the Stay Puffed Man, the Marshmallow Man? I don't know. I am wearing a white shirt, so and I do look a little puffy today. But <laughs> You're asking a guy about being humble who wears a shirt of himself flexing. I think humbleness went out the window a long time ago when we started this show, George. I think I think that as long as you're confident but not conceited, it's okay. I mean, humble people don't get attention. You need attention to make things happen and to do good and do service. So, you know what? Humble is overrated. So let's start that off as our first lesson as we are going to jump today into how to motivate somebody and get them to be the most successful, the best that they can be. So we're going to do a little role playing today for you folks. So a lot of you are sitting here saying, what the heck are they talking about? Well, want to assist in any aspect of life. If you really think about it, where you are today in your spectrum, and this is called the chosen life for a reason, because everybody's either living their chosen life or wants to live the chosen life. Think about where you are personally, professionally. You go to sleep at night. You wake up in the morning. Are you truly happy with where you're at? Is this mm. is where you want to be? Is this good? Or do you strive for more? Today's episode is about how do we achieve that more? How do we bring out the best within us? George is going to play George, the guru, the motivator, the speaker, the author, does it all. I'm going to play Joe Schmo. Okay. Joe off the street, living my life. I get introduced to George. And today, George is going to show me how to motivate myself. And by watching George, imagine you're sitting in my chair right now and George is motivating you. 
So we shake hands. George, it's a pleasure to meet you. Pleasure to meet you, Joe. So I'm really glad that you took the time to meet with me today, and I hope I can help you on your life journey to have a chosen life. It's pretty funny. You know, as Joe Schmo, you think that I would be a pretty famous guy because my name is spoken so much, but not on the best of terms. Apparently, my name translates to the average Joe. And George, I got to tell you something. Living my life as Joe Schmo, I really feel that it's an average life, you know? Um, I'm not very successful in very much of my life. And the truth is, George, I got some problems and I'm hoping you can help me today. You know, all I can promise is that I'll do my best to help you. And what I do know is usually we can make some good progress. So let's, uh, let's see what we can do for you. Well, first of all, as 24 years old, I know with my hairline and my beard, I may look a touch older, but I am 24 years old. So I believe I'm under, under the millennial category. Mm -hmm. And people tend to think as millennials, as entitled, you know, spoiled, you know, want it all now. I'm not like that at all, George. I just want to have a lot of money, but I don't want to work very hard. So I'm not a typical millennial, okay? It's not my fault. It's not. Society did this to me. My parents did this to me. My teachers did this to me. Nobody showed me the way. So I'm at the point now, you know, I'm living in my parents' basement, obviously. And, um, you know, they're paying for my gas, you know, in my car, which was my mom's hand-me-down. And um, look, I, I just, I need more money, George. I want to get ahead in life. I just don't really want to work very much. I, I feel like work is for suckers. And I see all the time on, on Instagram and TikTok, all these millionaires, and they're just taking videos of themselves and they're millionaires. I want to do that, George. I just want to do very little work and get paid a lot. Joe, what you're talking about is like the holy grail, the unicorn of situations. And there's always a one-off anomaly, but the reality is, is you can't shoot for that. You got to go with what's tried and true. Now, we have a whole system and a process around Money Mountain, as we call it, because everybody frames their success in terms of money for the most part. And that's what Instagram and society drives us towards. But the real key thing here is you've talked about what you wanted, but from my perspective, have you really? Because you say you want money, but you didn't tell me how much. You said you don't want to work, but you didn't tell me what you want to do. So you tell me what you want, but you haven't defined it. So I would think the first thing we would need to do, Joe, is have a clear understanding of where you're trying to go. Because you can say, I'm going to go north, I'm going to go east, I'm going to go west, but where are you going? So far, you've only told me that you want to go in one direction. Well, let's start off. I, I've, I haven't been to Money Mountain, and it sounds like a place I need to go. Where is Money Mountain exactly? So Money Mountain is the concept of, of climbing the mountain of success and what it takes to get to the peak and achieve peak performance and peak success. And success is actually defined by more than money. So what I've often said is money is absolutely worthless. And I get a huge reaction when I say that. But the reality is, it is worthless. And I'll give you a perfect example. I speak, as you've mentioned, and in the last uh, speaking engagement I had, I actually delivered a session on Money Mountain. And I asked the audience and I said, how many of you here would trade your friends, your family, and everybody you know for $300 million? Nobody raised their hand. So I did say some of you are lying. <laughs> 
But for those of you that are lying and don't want to admit it, it's okay. But let me ask you this. What if now I took away everybody in the world? You can have, never mind, you can have a billion dollars, but there's no one left in the world. Do you want it? Is it good for anything? No. So money without people and purpose, right, and reasons to accumulate it is worthless. So money needs to be tied to your ultimate goal. So when we were talking earlier, Joe, you said you want money, you said you don't want to work. But what are we connecting here to here? How do we get you up the mountain? So the first thing we need to do before we even start to climb Money Mountain is define what it is you're trying to go for. Because without your why, you won't know how or what, right? So we first need to understand how much money you want and why do you want it? What's the objective? So I want to have it that there's always money in my bank account. I want to be able to go to the shopping mall. I would like to buy whatever I want, whenever I want. I obviously want to be draped in LV and Gucci and Burberry. Those are musts in life. It's not, it's not a, a want, it's a need, you know, because I need to fit in. It's really important. So I want to buy really expensive stuff to wear, really expensive cars to drive. I'd like to go on fancy vacations and eat at really nice restaurants. And that's how I want to live uh -oh. my life. Joe. Yes. Did I get you back, Joe? Yeah, yeah, I'm here. Oh, sorry. Technical difficulties. It looks like I had an unstable connection for a second. No, I saw your mouth dropping and I thought that it's as if you were saying that I'm asking for something unreasonable. I don't think it's very unreasonable. Like when I go down a whole rent through, uh, and I see people shopping, they have bags. I want to be one of them. Fair enough. Okay. So you have a goal that you find true to you that motivates you. I'm going to translate your money desire into the ability to express yourself the way you want financially, as well as security and a sense of accomplishment. Is that fair? Uh, I guess I'm a millennial. That's a lot of words you just said at the same time. So. I understood having stuff. I mm. guess accomplishment would be nice if people could say, great job, Joe, you did, you know, you got a lot of stuff, so you're obviously successful. So yes. Okay. So we're going to take all that stuff, that LV, Gucci, and the rest of it, your Fisker, your Tesla, whatever you want, put it at the top of Money Mountain. And so now we're going to talk about how to climb that mountain. So the first thing we need to do is have a foundation because the only thing that's going to see you through is that foundation as you climb the mountain. So what it starts with is passion. Passion can be synonymous with motivation. Okay. So passion is where you feel emotionally moved by something. It's that moment where you feel you're connected with something that's part of you. It's something you do that makes you lose track of time something that makes you forget about eating. When you do this, you're in the zone. You have total focus. And there's a range of questions we can ask, but I want you to think about that and reflect on that for a second. And tell me of a moment where you felt like, wow, this is me. This is who I am. This is what I should be doing. I feel emotional. Maybe you got an elevator feeling in your stomach, like with the elevator or Wonderland. It's some physical reaction to an experience that resonates with your soul. Well, off the top of my head, George, um, I don't know if you could tell, but I'm pretty jacked. So having competed in a bodybuilding competition, I actually won two medals. I put in a lot of work 
which didn't really feel like work because it came pretty natural to me once I got the process going. And mm -hmm. I still keep at it. I like going to the gym. I like working out. I like keeping my body fit. And that makes me really happy. And I put energy into that. And it doesn't feel like work to me. So that to me is a good definition or connection to your passion. So it tells me that being in the gym, physical fitness, maybe even helping other people, giving them pointers, helping them achieve their goals, fulfills you and it connects with your passion. You, it sounds to me like you could spend hours in there and lose track of time and not feel like you've missed a single moment of your life. Is that right? I could go there all day, every day, and I feel like I'm at Disneyland. So you found your passion. So we're starting to see something here, okay? That's the foundation. Now, let me ask you, as you're working towards achieving your two medals, amazing accomplishment, by the way, very few people or percentage of the population can actually do that, right? There's only three places in every category and countless of people in the world. Now, it couldn't have been the easiest journey, right? It's not like you just showed up, lifted a few weights, and bam, you were jacked with your biceps and everything. It didn't work like that. Plus, with show prep, you probably dieted. You had to double down on cardio. You had to be restrictive in what you were eating, even though your friends are drinking beer and having parties and eating pizza and doing whatever they're doing. You had to be disciplined, incredible discipline, to show up on stage and win, to be a winner. Is that right? Yes. I even had to learn a routine. I had to like practically learn like a dance routine with posing, and I had to spray tan. Had you ever done that before? Never. Oh, and I waxed my body too. And that was so, very painful. Is it like the movie 40 year old version? I wouldn't know. <laughs> any, I don't understand that question because I'm a millennial, but yes, go ahead. Oh, it's a good movie. That movie is before my time. Uh, <laughs> nonetheless. Okay. So you went outside of your comfort zone. You pushed yourself. You persisted, right? You had to persist through these challenges. You had to persist through the pain of lifting weights. Persist through the uncomfortable feeling of being spray tan, waxed, dieting, dehydration, everything. You persisted, you persisted, you persisted. Would that be fair to say? It's the hardest I've ever worked in my life and the most fun I've ever had. Did it feel like work? Not at all. Because you're connected to your passion, aka motivation. And every time you achieve the milestone... I think it reinforced your persistence and your determination and discipline to achieve the next milestone. Would that be a fair statement? I would think that's a very fair statement. Excellent. So that persistence is what helps us keep climbing, climbing money mountain. When we lose a hand grip, when our foot slips, when a gust of wind blasts us down the mountain or, or something happens, it's that persistence that keeps us climbing. That reminds us I've done this. I've done it before. I've overcome, I can do it again, I can, I will. So your passion is I can, I can be great in the gym. Your persistence is, is I will, I will keep climbing to achieve the peak of my money mountain. The last piece is your purpose. So your purpose was to get on that stage and do the best you could and make everybody proud of you. Would that be fair to say? I really wanted to get it over with. It felt like a lot of pressure <laughs> at the end. Uh, but I, I just, I really went out there not to embarrass myself. And whatever happened was great. It was actually a surprise to win anything. And I mean, did you do it for anybody else? Maybe a family member, maybe a friend who encouraged you, maybe a coach, 
Did you think of anybody else when you were up there on stage? Truthfully, at the end of the day, I really did it for me. That's okay, because you got to put yourself first. The people that believe in being completely selfish are incorrect. You have to show up for yourself so you can show up properly for others. So you did it for you. And that was enough for you in that moment. So the point is, that was your purpose. That was your purpose to do it for you and to achieve something so you could be proud of yourself. At least that's my interpretation from what I'm listening and hearing. But it did not help me buy any LV stuff. Because you haven't translated into a vessel to take you up the mountain and the next mountain. See, that was your first little money mountain. Then you got your bigger mountain and you're bigger. So the key is that we're going to, by the end of this, have a rough directional plan on how to get you climbing your next money mountain. So when you go on stage and you do your routine, you can wear little LV shorts <laughs> or something of the sort. But I want to give you one more kind of insight into the purpose part of money mountain. Okay. Because you're going to find you come to a point where doing it for yourself is no longer enough. I have been there myself. Anybody I've talked to has felt the same way. Because at a certain point, I'm telling you, the money starts to lose motivation. The cars, the condos, the assets, all these things lose, lose motivation. Especially as you start to become accustomed to climbing the mountain and proving to yourself that you can do it. Now it's like, what's next? Where people achieve that incredible greatness is they're doing it for someone else. I found that in my life and people I've worked with have found the same thing. And my best example is, you know, Mike Tyson, right? And I know you love sports. I do. Yes. Was he not undefeatable? Nobody could beat that guy until who? He looks really scary. Well, he lost to a guy who was not very good and he did not look very good in that fight because he did not come very prepared. I saw that fight once on TV. Yeah. Holyfield knocked him out, right? But before, I think it was Buster Douglas. Oh, sorry. Excuse me. Buster Douglas. My bad. My bad. Yes. I got confused with the cookie monster that bites ears versus <laughs> the guy what, that knocked him out. What they taught us in history class was that Mike Tyson partied all night before that big fight, apparently. Buster Douglas came in the best shape of his life and was ready to go. And the guy who was more prepared beat the guy who was more talented. And so what I would put forth is that Mike Tyson, he was doing it for himself the whole time. He got high on his own success in a sense, and he got tired of showing up for himself, right? I've watched the documentaries. Now, Buster Douglas, he, okay, had passion for the sport because his dad was a boxer, had a boxing gym. He grew up in that. He had persistence because he had an extensive fight record, right? But he never had purpose until a week before the fight with Mike Tyson, his mother died. Wow. And he dedicated that fight to his mother. And he determined that he would knock Mike Tyson out for his mom up in heaven. So to be a little bit funny, like LL Cool J said, he's like, mama said, knock you out. So I'm going to knock you out, Mike Tyson. So as soon as he had his purpose, that's why he showed up like a different guy than he'd ever been before. And he knocked Mike Tyson out. Is he that, did the unthinkable. Is that where the lyrics came from? Uh, uh, that's a good question. I don't know the timeline, but uh, maybe they were foreshadowing if they didn't come after, I'll tell you that much. But the key thing here, Joe, is you're going to come to a point where you want to reach the highest level in your goal, your, your profession, you know, within the fitness industry to get be showered in Louis Vuitton and Gucci. You're going to have to start to do it for someone else because the best way to get wealthy is to help and serve as many people as possible and be financially 
rewarded for it. So if your passion and persistence can connect to a purpose in the field that you're passionate about, fitness, health, et cetera, what's to say you can't? Because Joe Wader can buy all the LV he wants. All these fitness um, supplement manufacturers can buy all the LV they want and all the cars they want. So it doesn't really matter what you do. It's that you do it with passion, persistence, and connect to a purpose greater than yourself. Because Colonel Sanders, he got rich with a chicken recipe. There's people that make fortunes by scavenging golf balls from golf courses. So it's not about the way to get there. It's about where you're going. And that's how you're going to climb Money Mountain. So I got to ask you, when I hear this, I'm thinking about myself now. I don't have the talent of Mike Tyson. And I don't have the drive, hardworking of Buster Douglas. I feel like I have none of those things, mm -hmm. George. I I like going to the gym. I like getting jacked. I enjoy gym life. But now I, I still, I feel like now I need a roadmap. I feel lost. Where am I headed now? How do I get to the mountain? And how do I start getting up this mountain? Well, the first thing I want to do is change your words because words have power. And the words you use about yourself are very influential to your subconscious. And so right now you're saying, I don't have the talent. I don't have this. I don't have that. Incorrect. Did you have the talent and the determination to win two medals? I guess. Yeah. So you climbed that mountain. Even you used unconscious competence to climb that mountain. And now we're going to make that unconscious competence conscious by setting a roadmap. So now the next thing to do is determine how are you going to start to climb your next mountain? So next mountain is like, I want to monetize my passion. So now we got to figure out, is your passion going to be in helping other people achieve medals? Are you going to be coaching? Do you want to try to develop a fitness um, kind of supplement or something? Do you want to develop a piece of equipment? Do you want to create training videos for people? Do you want to do online coaching? So these are now where we start to refine your passion and say, what did you love most about the journey? Was it the dieting? Was it the lifting? Start with that. Connect with that. Connect with people. Start to serve them and help them. And persist because it's not going to happen right away. You're not going to walk in the gym and say, here, I'm, I'm here to help you train and make you a champion and everybody's going to line up. No but you're going to get one and two and that person's going to refer another. And that's where you're going to persist because it takes time to climb the mountain. And now suddenly your purpose is not just for you to be great because you're going to show up great yourself to motivate them, but to help make them great. And as soon as you start making your purpose bigger than you, you've got to scale. It's got to be about more than just you. And that's how you're going to climb your next mountain. So a year from now, two years from now, you're going to be saying, George, I did it. I achieved my first 100000 in annual income from, from fitness and training, et cetera. Now, how do we level up to the next mountain? How do we take it to, you know, uh, 10x that to 1 million, let's say? What's it going to take? Well, you got your blueprint for success. Now you just got to scale it. Now you need more people to help, more fitness products, more videos, more online co coaching. Maybe you have sub-coaches. But now you kind of know where you want to go. So now it's an exploratory phase. You're going to try a little bit of coaching, training, maybe some nutrition and go from there. If I think I find something that I like or seems interesting to do, and I see somebody else that's doing really well at it, is it a good idea to go to this kind of person and ask them for tips, maybe mentor me? It's a fantastic idea. And in a way, is that not kind of what you're doing right now? Fair enough. So that's keep it true. up. That's true. Keep it up. It's a good thing. And George, I find that a lot of my classmates 
and people I grew up with in my age genre of the twenties, you know, cause I'm a millennial and they seem to have the same problem. I think they'd really benefit well from hearing this type of instruction. Um, mm. Do you do this generally one-on-one -on -one with people? Do you do it in a group? Like how do you help people like this? So I have, I have, you know, informally help people like this one-offs, you know, I have a team of agents as well, cause I'm also a real estate broker as well as a speaker and aspiring author soon to be pub or self-published author. But uh, mostly I do this in group settings. I'm also in the process of developing GT Sales Academy. So there's going to be an online learning and resource platform for people that are based on the trifecta of success, which is basically you have to have your mindset right, you have to have the right skills, and you have to have the right system. So when you have those three pillars in place, you can achieve success. You can achieve the, the peak of Money Mountain, et cetera. And Money Mountain is one of the modules within the mindset pillar of the program. So there's going to be a number of resources and tools. The GT Sales Academy, like my wristband here. There's going to be my book, which should be coming out by the end of the year. Never want to rush something that's going to be really good by, you know, trying to push it too soon. So I estimate about the end of the year. And of course, people can reach out to me on social. My name, George Tremis, the last name T is in tango, R-E-M is in money, I-S, Tremis. And I guarantee you'll find me because anybody who has that last name is related to me. And it's pretty rare. So anybody who wants to reach out to me, connect with me, George Tremis, Google me, you'll find all my socials. I gotta ask you because when you're talking about sales now, I'm thinking about something my dad said. So my dad is a as a lawyer, and he's pretty successful. He's a real estate mm -hmm. corporate lawyer called the Chosen Lawyer, and he once told a lawyer, he said, "If you think of yourself as a lawyer, you're not going to do very well. You might think you're a lawyer, but you're actually in the customer service business." Is mm -hmm. my dad crazy? Your dad is right on. Maybe let me reframe this. We talked about the way to get your Louis Vuitton, the way to get the car you want, to get the, the, the money, the security, is by serving as many people as possible. Who is one of the richest people in the world? We order from it all the time. I ordered from it today. Jeff Bezos. You got it. You got it. And why is he so rich? Because millions and millions of people, more, tens of millions, I don't know, hundreds of millions of people use his Amazon platform and they derive value from ordering through it. So the more money you want, you got to figure a way to help more people. So he's talking about service. Your father's talking about service. Amazon is serving so many people. So your father's right. And the other thing too is everybody's in sales. Everybody's selling. I was about to ask you, like, no matter if you go to college, university, whatever profession you want to choose, let's say you want to be a doctor, an accountant, you want to fix air conditioners, dentist, lawnmower guy or gal, uh, fix cars. I don't know. Am I crazy, George? Everything feels like sales and marketing to me, but they don't you know teach that stuff in those classes. Joe, in school, they don't teach you about money. I did an MBA and they teach me how to manage money for other people. First job, I worked for Great West Life, owned by PowerCorp at the time. So I was in retirement and investment products. But me, naively, I didn't want to be considered a salesman. I'm not a salesman. I'm a product specialist. When I went into pharmaceuticals, I'm a customer experience manager. I was a brand manager. 
But at the end of the day, everything I did was sales. And the reason why I was successful, which I came to learn later, was I innately, you know, unconscious competence was good at selling. So during 9-11, that's when I worked in the investment industry, I sold people not only on keeping their investors, investments invested, but doubling down and buying in the downturn. So I was selling. I wasn't a product specialist. I was a salesman. And then later I learned how to go from salesman or salesperson to sales professional, which is what I talk about in my book. Because once you become consciously competent, now you're not just like any other person who does sales because we all do sales, right? Joe, you sell your dad on helping you get X, Y, Z. You know, you sold your dad when you were six years old to buy you that Tonka truck, just like I did or whatever was appropriate for your age because I'm a little bit older than you. But we're all selling. The difference is, are we doing it consciously or unconsciously? And so we talk about that in my book as well, or I talk about that in my book. So Joe, if you want to get your LV and everything else, learn how to serve as many people as possible. Climb Money Mountain through the three pillars that I talked about, right? Passion, persistence, and purpose. And figure out how to be a great salesman. Because when you know how to sell and close, you will never want for money. And at the beginning, we talked about wanting security as I defined it, meaning you always have money in your bank account. That's my advice to you, Joe. So now I got a little confession for you, George. I know I was pretty convincing as Joe Schmo, the 24 year old millennial, but I'm actually your friend, Jonathan, the chosen lawyer. I thought you just looked a lot like your dad or vice versa. Yeah, no, <laughs> uh, I, I am the dad. So that is me. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, sorry. It's um, just that youthful vibe you give off. <laughs> And it was me that said, you know, if you want to be a good lawyer, a good accountant, and you want to be great at what you want to do in a profession, you got to remember something. It's not just finishing files, getting things done. It's actually servicing the client, the customer, being the best service person you could be. And I think a lot of people forget about that aspect of it. It's funny, you know, when I have a young lawyer, for example, and I sit them down at, at a table and we just start working together, I tell them, to me, there's... Four reasons why somebody wants to work with a lawyer, in my opinion. You have experience, you have knowledge, you get results, and they like you. Problem is, when you're starting off, you don't have the experience, you don't have the knowledge, don't have a track record of getting results, so all you can hang your head on is if they like you. Fast forward to the person that is 20, 30, 40 years in it, no matter... George, in this day and age, it's not like it used to be back in the day. It feels like people aren't loyal the way they used to be. No matter mm -hmm. what you did for them in the past, it's irrelevant. They mm -hmm. want now. They want results now, but they also mm -hmm. want to feel good about that. And anybody could get build up experience, can build up knowledge. They can get results. But if they really don't like you, they're not going to want to work with you long term. And that, to me, falls into the whole sales category about if you're going to sell if you're going to be the best you can and people want to be attracted to you and want to give you money for goods and services, you, they got to like you. And the problem is in all those courses and university and college, if you're studying for a specific profession, they don't really make a course on how to win people over. How do people like you? How to build clients? How to make customer service happen? And it feels like the academy you're building here. Anybody of any age, any profession would benefit from this. Am I right or am I wrong? You completely read my mind. 
for such a fundamental skill for it to be so lacking in, in standard formal training is unbelievable. I did a BCom, honors BCom. I did my MBA, a bunch of other degrees and designations. The closest I got to sales training was getting uh, certified as a sales professional by the Canadian Professional Sales Association. But even that wasn't the curriculum, the, the vision that I have for, for all-encompassing. Like I said, sales starts with your mindset. You know, you hear rapport all the time. Okay, I want to touch on your comment. You hear rapport. Rapport is the most misunderstood thing there is, in my opinion, one of. First and foremost, rapport starts in here with yourself and in here. If you're not in rapport with yourself, you will never get in rapport with anybody else. And you need to be in rapport, i.e. likability to a certain degree, to be able to exchange information, communicate, and possibly help somebody to buy. So I believe in the why behind the buy and helping people buy. I'm not here to sell you. I'm here to help you buy what's right for you. I'm here to help you get out of your own way sometimes and realize that this is the right product or solution for you. But for you to believe me, we need to be in rapport. That doesn't mean I'm saying, oh, look at your arms. You must work out. That's such a great t-shirt. Tell me about this. Where do you fish? I mean, they are great arms, but really, <laughs> you're not going to buy from me just because I flatter you, right? And the problem a lot of sales people, not sales professionals, believe is that I need to be your friend. You need to be my friend and friends buy from friends. And I can tell you right now, 99% of my sales are not to friends. They're to people who become friends, but they're not because they were my friend and not because I made them my friend, but I did form rapport with them. Trust, credibility, professionalism, certainty, confidence, and ability to help them achieve their goals and needs. That's what they want. That's rapport. But it starts here with yourself. There's one other thing I want to comment on. If you are in rapport with yourself and you're confident and you're certain, okay, even if you don't have experience, because you talked about the analogy of a lawyer who hasn't had experience yet, et cetera, is fresh out of school. I think about my first job at Great West Life. And again, I was in investments during 9-11, the worst time to be in investments, okay? This also reminds me of persistence on Money Mountain. And every time I have a problem, I think back to this. I was asked by one of the financial advisors in London Life, you know, to come and help him with a client, one of his biggest clients who was about to pull all his investments. So this is a major blow to a financial advisor and planner. And he wants the product specialist to come and help him. Little did I know I was actually the sales professional, but, but in the making. So I sit down across from this couple and they've got to be like very like close to their 60s right i think they're maybe late 50s so very close to retirement they were completely devastated by the losses in their portfolio they they did not believe the advisor anymore and it was a hostile environment so he didn't tell me that he told them that i was he didn't tell me that he didn't tell them that he was bringing the 23 year old 23 year old product specialist to come and talk to him about their investments so right off the bat i'm behind the eight ball here and i'm like oh no they're like who are you uh, I'm George Tremis, the product specialist. What are you doing here? I'm here to help. <laughs> I'll fast forward. I sit down across the table from them. I'm talking to them about charts and investments and here's the history, all the logical stuff, right? I didn't know. Forget the logic. You sell an emotion and you close on logic. I learned later. But nonetheless, I show them all this and this was my lesson I'll never forget. He looks at it. Like that, throws it on the table. He goes, let me ask you something, son. And I was like, sure, sir. 
you even have $10,000 in your bank account? And you want to talk to me about my million dollars of life savings that I worked my whole life for? Wow. So I go and I say, and I look down and I think for a minute, I'm like, oh my God, I'm screwed. <laughs> and then suddenly I get inspired and I look up and this was, came from the heart. And I was 100% certain in my answer. And I look and I'm like, I'll call him Mr. Smith. Mr. Smith, you're 100% right. I don't. I just started working. I just graduated school and I have to pay for my debts. But what I can tell you, what I know is that if you're sitting across from me, you're my father, I would give you the same advice from my heart and I would do the same for myself. And that's the best I can do for you, sir. And I shut up. And I looked at him and he could feel the sincerity in my eyes. And he said, son, you talk to me like a man and you give me stuff to think about. Thank you. And he goes, now let's look at those charts of yours. Boom. <laughs> so to me, that's persistence. And you can overcome a lack of experience by authenticity, sincerity, conviction, certainty, and a drive to want to sincerely, genuinely help somebody because they can feel that. I, I got that's my story. I gotta ask you, George, because as you're saying this, you know, inevitably, I always say when you're hearing a person's story, you always look within yourself and think of your story. I know I'm doing that. I know the listeners are doing that right now, guaranteed. So I gotta ask you because I think to myself, wow, you know, I'm wondering if I put in that kind of effort and I had that kind of knowledge, could I do what George does? And then I kind of think to myself, well, I only know polished George. I've only been around George in this mode. I didn't get to, I didn't have the good fortune of being your friend growing up. And I think to myself, he must have always been like this. He must have been born with it. He naturally knew all these ideas. He was a natural salesman from the time he was in grade one. This all comes really easy to him. It's easy <laughs> for him to say because it just comes natural to him. I can't do what George does because I don't have that natural talent. Is that the case, George? Um, but to your point, yeah, like the reality is, is even everybody starts somewhere, right? So even if you're naturally talented, that's just your starting point. So, you know, there's nature and nurture. I think everybody's gifted by God and or whomever you choose to believe in or whatever um, with something. It's a natural talent innate in you. But you know what? Hard work will overcome talent, right? Um, and sometimes you have a nurturing environment, right? We, we, I believe we grew up in somewhat similar households. So that was also an environment of, of kind of molding and shaping and giving us some talent that we didn't realize we have until we come into our own as adults and start to apply it. Um, but yeah, everybody can learn the key differences. And, you know, I follow a lot of sales leaders and authors and such, and, you know, I'm always learning. So one thing I've always done, even since that time I was 23 was, that inspired me. I started listening to old school people like Brian Tracy. I was listening to Tony Robbins back then and some others, right? And uh, it was just learning and learning. And that's the thing. It has to become like a job in the sense of learning needs to be a regular thing, like you're honing your craft. So when I talk about this kind of thing, skill development, I ask people, how many times a week do you shower? Most people say once a day at least. And it's like, well, why do you only practice your craft once a week or once a month? How many times you go to the gym to look like that? You don't go once a month. You go regularly, consistently. So you need to train regularly, right? 
But the key thing is, is you have to do it for your own self. Just like training at the gym, you got to train the way your body is and what you need. So from the sales standpoint, I see incredible people. And I don't know, I'm sure it's fine if I say like Grant Cardone. I love looking at his stuff. But one of the things that I've noticed is his people, because he is fantastic and he is very charismatic, right? But his people try to copy him exactly. They try to do the things he does. They try to say what he says exactly. And that's not right because Grant is a very particular individual. He has his background. He's got his Italian upbringing in New Orleans with his life experience and everything that he did. So it's very hard for somebody from New York, let's say, who's a very different kind of person, different upbringing, different background, different environment, because New Orleans is a lot different than New York, right? To try to be like Grant and sound like Grant, it's not going to work. So what I try to teach people is, because I do coaching and such, and I help salespeople, like I was delivering a session on cold calling recently, and they're like, stop, 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 stop. How did you say that? Let me write it down. And I said, do you think there's a reason why I don't give you a piece of paper with all the things I say? Because if you try to sound like me, it's not going to work. You can't be me because you're not me. And I can't be you because I'm not you. You need to understand what I'm doing, why I'm doing it, how I'm doing it, and then tailor it to your own self and your own personality. Because if you try to be me, you're going to be inauthentic and ineffectual. And that's the key thing. So it doesn't matter what George does. It's what Jonathan does. It's about us understanding why we do what we do, right? So if I explain to you, I can simply say that my comment to that person was full of certainty, sincerity, and authenticity. And that was the underlying thing. So you need to just be you authentically, sincerely, and with certainty, not say the same things I do. So I think that's the key thing. I love it. I love it. And I got to tell you, like, listen to your words and, and listen to the actions that could be taken. I, I feel so motivated right now. I feel so alive and think myself, there's things I want to get off my butt and do. There's things I want to plan. I want to do this. And for the listeners now today, as we sum up today's episode, George, for those people that are saying, regardless of where they are in life, again, what their age is, what their job, their income, the money in the bank, I really want to sum up today saying, hey, no matter what hole you think you're dug in, it's never too late. We can always rebuild. We can always start a new day. A new day is a fresh page in the book and we can start again. For those people that are ready to finally let that negativity go, want to start off with a fresh page, they're motivated now, they want to change in their lives, whether it's personal, professional, they're ready now, George. Where do they begin? What's the first step for them now? So one of the most important things I think is, who do you read and who do you listen to? So you need to find somebody that resonates with you. So at the outset, I'm going to suggest that people start with your podcast because it's very diverse, very informative. And yes, I am biased, but for a reason. And so start with the Chosen Life podcast. Then I would read your book. Your book's going to be coming out. I encourage people to read it. I've had the blessing and the privilege of reading a few chapters, and I think they can definitely benefit from it. And then that's a lot about the mindset, health, life, how to have the chosen life. And then if you want to start to work on skills and sales skills specifically buy my book or contact me and i'll gladly give you a copy and we can go from there and i can set you up with a free membership to the sales academy once we launch so and then if that doesn't resonate with people i encourage them to pursue people within the field that they're looking for so if you want to try to do more life motivational you can go jay shetty you can go sanguru you can go tony robbins if you want to go sales there are lots of people out there everyone from jordan belfort to others to grant cardone the key is lean into your your passion persist and do your work put in the hours put in the ten thousand hours for mastery and connect with a purpose bigger than yourself 
and you'll find a way. It's not about the actual roadmap, it's about the destination. Let the turns and the detours and the curves happen and just lean into them as long as you're going the right direction. Anything beyond that, reach out. I'm happy to give advice for what it's worth. It's funny, you know, you're saying that you can turn on the podcast for free, listen to other guests, hear their stories, think about reflect within yourself and how that can motivate you. George has just offered you a free membership into the sales Academy, a free copy of the book. Just reach out to him. Like people make so many excuses, George. It's not that difficult. There's so many opportunities out there. You just got to get off your butt and maybe drop that bag of chips, stop watching reality TV for a moment and pick something where you can invest a little bit of that time. You don't have to invest a dollar into it. And you're already better ahead. I feel way smarter today and way more ahead of the game just by feeling your energy. So I appreciate you sharing that with me and sharing it with nice. the audience. And the idea is, you know, this exact conversation today, this is why we have the chosen life because we want to help everybody find their chosen life at the end of the day and get them to the best point in life that they can be at. So George, your time is the most precious gift that you can give. And you gave that to us today. So we thank you for it. My pleasure and privilege. Thank you. I'm glad to be part of this podcast. It's a blessing to everybody. And I mean, that's just my biased opinion, but it's there for a reason. Well, we are uh, in, in the sixties now, as far as episode numbers, you started off with number one with us and we worked our way through before you know it, we'll already be in triple digits. When your book launches, we're certainly going to have a copy out and talk about it. When my book is launched, uh, the Bible 3.0, it's going to be hopefully this fall. Uh, the publishers are working on it as we speak, but you know, you can't rush, uh, the process, so to speak. And that's the funny thing, you know, many times people have these deadlines and pressure. I don't feel it in life because to me, once it's out, it's out, it's there forever. Take that little bit extra time, make it the best that it can be, whether it's the book that you're launching, the car that you're building, the job that you're seeking, always put in the best that you can. So I'm certainly trying to do that in my life. You're doing it in yours. And we tell people try to do that in yourself, you know, I'm finding, George, the people that most at the end of the day are not getting ahead, it's the ones that are looking for the constant shortcuts. Not that mm. they're working smart about it. They just don't really want to work at all. And they're saying, I don't really need to do this. I don't need to do that. I can bypass it. And then they either make more work for themselves or they just give up really easily. And that's a shame. You know, a lot of things in life don't really get handed to you at the end of the day. If you really want it, you got to put some thought into it. You got to have a game plan. And you, enough persistence, you can make almost anything happen, in my estimation. 100% true. One of my favorite expressions is, it works if you do the work. <laughs> it's as simple as that. And that's how we'll sum it up today. It works if you do the work. We'll have your contact information, George Tremis. We encourage people to please hit the subscription button, notification bell, and send your comments. Myself and George Tremis. Uh, George, we'll have you back real soon on The Chosen Life. Thank you Please again do. for sharing the knowledge and for everybody for listening in today. And as we end today's episode, you know, we pull out the guns. George is going to embarrass me. Oh, yeah. He's three times the size of me. And we always say, keep damn, keep living the chosen life. <laughs>